Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. I'm finally getting to that point, you guys, where like, especially maybe it's just living in LA and people or just being the age we are and we just, you don't see like people as often as you used to on a regular basis. So I feel like we've like surpassed that time where it's like I normally wouldn't have seen you for like two or three weeks and now I haven't fucking seen anybody and I'm really getting to the point where like I truly genuinely miss people. The first week of this thing was a dream, like it was a dream. I, I woke up and came downstairs and watched TV until midnight. And you got, it was I, like a snow day for you every day. You were like wasted, eating fattening food. Drinking all the booze I could get my little hands on. But then I was like, this is not sustainable. And so I've been trying to live as healthfully as I possibly can. Same, I, I hit a wall where I'm like, well, that was a fun little, um, like an Australian when they all take their summer holidays, you know, or just they're mm-hmm. always on holiday. Oh, I, I like, just had a great. I'm waiting for my rum springer. It hasn't hit yet. <laughs> right. My like, rum, my only... rum spring is coming. <laughs> there's only so much trouble you can get into like alone, you know, <laughs> where <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do? Pass out on the couch again. I'm bored with that, you know? And so this week too, I, I was like, no more liquor, you know, if you want to get a little buzz, it's wine only because I got <laughs> wasted on a uh, Zoom meeting a few nights ago. Oh my God. Getting wasted on a Zoom hang is so easy to do, especially because you're like, you're in another form of reality talking to people the whole time. And then it's like, when you're like, okay, everybody have a good night. And you click off and you just get, you stand up to like move on with your life. You're like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I've been zoom wasted a few times. Yeah. Zoom well, you guys, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace, ever sitting in my house trying to uh, take the minutes by by scrubbing and exercising. Um, yep, that's me. And I'm your other host, Brooke Van Poplin, who has officially declared anyone out on the streets jogging without a mask on a terrorist. <laughs> yeah. I I, you know what, these runners with their, with their runners high and they're like, you're not going to quarantine me. I can outrun the Corona and then come tearing around a corner, just (sighs) like just spittle hot air, their runner's breath, just fucking coming at you with no mask. I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Go inside, go run loops around your house, go get the zoomies like a dog, but 
fuck you. Yeah. Put a mask on. I'm I actually so yelled mad. corner. I yelled corner going around a corner walking last week. I was like, corner, come around. That's your. Like, honestly, yeah. Go. Sorry, James. No, I was just going to say that's your server training. Uh, but protecting you. It is. It is. And I think it's coming in handy right now because this new neighborhood I live in is like all sorts of, you know, um, sharp like switchback sort of streets and whatever and just like it's so craggly and yeah to just be like approaching yeah that's why everybody can make something at their house that they have the materials for that'll keep you safe what you do is you take like a broom handle or something and then you put a nail on the end of it and make it about six feet long and if people get close to you you jab them with your little stick and nail Mm -hmm. and and they'll get the message. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> trust me. Uh-huh. They'll know where you're coming from. Yeah. Message message received. Um, for sure. I haven't started fashioning weapons yet at all. I started walking around with mace after a long reprieve from it. You know, uh, so I've got mace back in my pocket. It's a mix because the coyotes are really, really bold again because humans have gone like inside for a month. So they're everywhere these days. And also uh, you cough on me, I mace you, you know, <laughs> tit for tat. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, uh, the the crows in my neighborhood have like really gotten aggressive because people aren't dropping as many like Subway sandwiches on the ground anymore. <laughs> so they're, you know, they're like- Yeah, that in Burbank, that's a big- uh, Oh, there's Subway there's sandwiches, subway sandwiches over the place. everywhere. Yeah. People get a foot long, they eat half of it, and they're like, no thanks. And they whip the other half onto the ground. And those crows are just, yeah, they're like, the crows have turned into like the monkeys in Thailand, basically. They're just looking for scraps. They're just murdering each other. A murder of crows, isn't that what they're called? They are, they are. Well, you guys, like, we have some really fun headlines um, we want to share with you. You know, you guys just remember we're trying to update you just um, on really great groups, advocacy groups, uh, funds, projects, things um, small business owners and large business owners in the service industry are putting together to keep themselves afloat, keep you afloat. So this first one that I want to start with today, um, just specifically, if you guys didn't know or, you know, if anybody out there is struggling to get groceries, um, fresh vegetables. You don't want to go to the store. Remember CSA boxes? Anybody? You guys remember those? Mm -hmm. James and Brooke? Oh, yes. Um, What does it stand for? CSA is Community um, Share uh, Agriculture, specifically. So basically what it is is small farms, local farms. Um, You know, in these days, and we all know in the service industry, depending on like where you work, like a lot of small farms provide Uh, restaurants with vegetables, with fruit, sometimes with protein. So CSA boxes are weekly share boxes that you can pick up um, for a fee. The money goes directly to the farmers who are working super fucking hard to keep food moving at this point. Um, And then you get a week or two weeks worth of delicious, healthy goodies. Um, So as we are moving into spring, you know, in California or places that we have the luxury of it being a little bit warmer, you know, maybe you can grow all year, but as um, the weather starts to change, a lot of farms will start offering this all over the country, basically. So it's a really good way to support small agriculture um, and really just uh, most places you just go, you pay online and then you pick up a box and you it's curbside pickup. They put it in your car, you drive off. 
You don't have yeah, to go yeah. in the store. Um, and I know for me personally, like I have all the things I need, but like fresh things is what I need to get, always want to replenish on the regular. So this is a good way to do that. Yes. I um, was talking to two people last night, actually, who uh, they use a service called County Line Harvest. Yeah, they're great. Um, and they drive up, they pop their trunk, they put the vegetables in the back of their trunk. They, mm, yep. they show, I, I don't know how you prove that you're a member. Maybe you show like something on your phone that says. Yeah, you probably like, like a receipt you like hold up to your car window or something. Yeah, they, you pop your trunk, they put it in, they close your trunk and then wave goodbye. And, and they also sent me a picture of, there, they, there's two options. There's a $40 box and there's a $25 box. They get the $25 box and they shared a picture of what they get. And it's unbelievable the amount of produce that they get. Like um, all fresh, all right out of the earth, never goes into a store. Um, Love it. Yeah, yeah, and usually it's, it's like what's seasonal. A lot of these farms will have eggs that they sell usually right. too. Sometimes mm -hmm. proteins that you can get. Um, and then, you know, if you guys don't have a CSA box option, there are a lot of small restaurants that are working with small farms, putting together their own boxes that you guys can buy and pick up. And sometimes there's like meal kits involved, which we've mentioned before. So a really great way, another great way to support um, restaurants that might be struggling at this time. Yeah, there. Uh, my wife was telling me, and this is, uh, uh, what is the restaurant? Sharky's. It's a chain out here in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Mix. Yeah. They have an option now where you can, if you order from them, you can or also just order chicken, like uncooked. Like. Um, oh, okay. Right. You can, right. You can order like tubs of their salsa. You can order, you know, everything that they have, you can order it. You don't have to order it as a meal. Um, and I'm sure there's other restaurants that are doing that as well. Oh, yeah. But, that's just one of the options and I bet they have like tortillas and you know stuff that's hard to get at the stores um, so just another option yeah so um, I supported our local restaurant lemon poppy uh, and did my grocery pickup yesterday so you, you put an order in about 48 hours before they can really process it because the, the, the what's so interesting and good about this is you know they have access to the food vendors and they're suppliers so if they know how much they need to put in to their people to get it even though you're doing business very differently what was great is i haven't been able to find certain supplies and so not only where i was like oh my god like a fresh baguette from you know like the bakery they work with sounds so great but i got like some garlic some lemons some limes little thing and a entire box of um disposable gloves like, so oh, they're wow. selling the stuff that they would use, you know, while they're doing safe food handling. There are people too who, um, because, you know, restaurants also have access to large amounts of toilet paper to keep their bathroom stock. Some of them are like, and we're throwing in a roll of toilet paper with every order, either just to be cool as hell, or it's something you can be like, yeah, also, uh, aside from those nachos, I'll oh, please have two rolls of toilet paper, which is how it always should have been, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. But so, yeah, I, we'd love to hear um, from you all uh, if your local restaurants are turning into groceries, pantries, just, just doing anything to move profit, make enough money to have enough people working and, and keeping the restaurant floating. Totally. So, and just remember yeah, the that other, 
Say that oh, again. Uh, just remember that those uh, there are options. So if you guys are struggling to find things, you know, ex- just expand your horizons a little bit and see what's going on. Something I meant to mention a week ago, but here started in Los Angeles is an organization called Dine One One, which apparently when you look it up is the name of a bunch of like food trucks. It's apparently already a pretty popular pun. But um, this one is, if you look it up, it's Dine, number the number one, the number one, so Dine11.org. And what they did was basically um, a doctor on the front lines dealing with this, especially with the overwhelming surge of patients coming in and the workers being so exhausted from the minute, you know, they show up to leaving it, you know, all the restaurants and grocery stores, et cetera, closing, where are they supposed to get food to nourish themselves when they're working this hard? So the doctor saw this sort of need where she reached out. She happens to know people in different restaurant groups. They got a small team together and basically crowdfunded um, like a really substantial amount of money, which then went to a few different restaurants, paid them to then prepare delicious food that then fed doctors and nurses on the front lines based on your donations, right? So for anyone feeling like, you know, like I don't have a job to go to at the moment, I don't know how I can help because everyone, no one knows their status. So it's like not smart to go out and try and be a frontline worker because you don't know if you had COVID and are immune yet or whatever. This is a really, really great way to get involved. And so it's blown up over LA. And now what you can do is they have the like step-by-step advocacy, which I'll show how you can get it started in your town where you are, like everything you need to do to make it happen because LA has really deep pockets. We are showing so much love to our restaurants, but I'm thinking right now, does Detroit know about this? They're being hit so hard. And I would like to try and start a Dine One One amongst my friends and families to crowdfund it, pick some restaurants that might need the help and the money. And then they get this money to make food, maybe even hire one or two people to help for the day or whatever, and then go feed these um, doctors and nurses and, and um, janitorial services. And, you know, it's, it's the whole hospital that really can take advantage of this. And they're saying that it's just like so morale boosting to see that the restaurants in the community are like feeding them with love. And they, Oh my God, I can't even imagine like it just getting me anyway. I cry all the time. It's fine guys. Um, just like Misty, just thinking about working so hard and like being able to sit down and take a break and have like a delicious meal that is like so full of like energy that people have spent time like making sure you receive this nourishment is just incredible to think about yeah and um, we, what a great organization because mm-hmm. like you know and if if you even feel safe about it like my inner it was like a mix of midwestern mom and server came out big time i you saw the epic story of the giant um, pan of scalloped potatoes I made. Yeah, I uh, did. I did. <laughs> thank you at Midwest Nice Makes. Um, the recipe was hers. I followed it. It was phenomenal, but I immediately was like, this, me and this pan can't be together for this next week just alone. Um, so I served up a bunch on some paper plates, you know, covered it in foil, sterilized it, put on my gloves, put on my mask, and I dropped off 
like, you know, some little doggy bags on all my neighbor's front porches and was like, surprise, mm. I made you love in the That's form amazing. of cheesy, buttery potatoes. Mm. Yeah, you put, a, you put a pair of shoes on that casserole you make you made and I would have mistaked it for any member of my family back in Nebraska. <laughs> like it looked like just a pure Midwest delicious cheese fest, which is what every person in Nebraska looks like. <laughs> um I also want to hear from you all. We'll put it out again on our Instagram, but we were, you know, posting about the, um, the like the financial assistance you could get as a server and everyone was writing back that it got the server got so swamped that it crashed so apparently you were able to try again on monday tuesday today um we'd love to hear from you if you were able to get through on that front if people are getting deliveries be sure if you for whatever reason if you have to show your id like let's say you were ordered booze or something you have to show your id Make sure you from inside your house are also wearing a mask when you go outside because I've heard from people that are on the Postmates front and doing deliveries that when people get their deliveries, they're not going to the door in masks. They're not covering their yeah. faces. No, that's what James Fritz said. He delivers weed all day and people aren't covering their faces. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's who I was referring to. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, if there's any way to sneak that in because I think that's, that's very important as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, another great point, and maybe we'll, we'll be able to coordinate this for Saturday, but um, someone wrote in, we're going to read one of their stories, but then he responded and was like, by the way, you know, I've, I've fully pivoted to like Uber Eats, Postmates sort of stuff. And he's like, and if you want a perspective from this angle, he's like, this shit's really crazy right now. Um, but yeah, like I go out to get my delivery looking like a character from Watchmen. I'm wearing like a cloak, like a full balaclava or whatever you call, you know, but I've got my face mask on, rubber gloves. Um, you know, I've got my stuff ready to go. Cause I'm like, let's keep this as a brief as possible. And I want you to feel safe that I'm doing my part that I've prepped. I'm like waiting to hear that you're coming, standing by the door with my sterile outfit. And then, but the thing that's blown my mind, you guys, is I did like a drizzly order for some wine. <laughs> they are two different places. They, no gloves, no mask. They're just showing up at everyone's places. And I mean, I'm glad I did my part, but I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, Why yeah. I mean, now masks? there's, I mean, now there's an ordinance here and I, it should, it should go to them too, where they are basically have to wear masks to help protect themselves protect us and like their employer whoever is in charge of this is supposed to be providing or they get their own and get refunded like that's just what was passed in um la and i feel like here in california things happen and then they happen all over the country so this is what's going to happen to everybody soon like and then and it might be the next time my wine supply gets low and i call drizzly again that they will hopefully be up to code with that just for themselves but i you know i think also after we get off um you know after we're done podcasting like i think i will find a way to complain for their safety because i'm sure the more they start hearing it from customers that more if you even though I'm doing it for their safety, if I make it sound like I don't want to use your service anymore because you are not requiring 
um, you know, your workers to cover their face and their hands. Like, I, you know, I'm going to lobby it as a complaint for their safety. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, definitely. I'm going to Karen it up. Are you going to write Karen it? Karen spelled C-A-R-I-N. Oh, I'm a you're... real Karen. Oh my God, Brooke. Look what you just fucking did. Thank oh. you. Well, you guys, it's time for some listeners of the First story. Well, it's been an interesting few weeks, and boy, do I have some lighthearted Corona theme content for you. My wife Amber and I have worked at the same family Tex Mex restaurant uh, just south of Fort Worth for shy of 10 years. We now have other jobs, but have been doing their catering and picking up the occasional shift as a side gig for the last three years. Awesome. Um, We've worked in two out of three of their locations, and it's the only restaurant we've ever worked for. The staff is closer to us than most of our family, and when it came time for us to step up, we jumped at the opportunity to help their doors stay open. I love all this. The good stuff. The first week being to go delivery was insane the restaurant had two phone lines which were ringing non-stop from an hour before we opened until they were mute at close our two cashiers not taking a single breath between calls oh my god i was brought on as car hop delivery driver and my wife was pretty much doing every position in the place she's a badass um we were we were all fully expecting the family restaurant to be busy and see all our regulars but this is nuts everyone's coming out of the woodworks to support our small business over tipping and taking advantage of the alcohol to go that's legal during this time former employees and regulars tipping like a hundred dollars on thirty dollar tabs former industry people tipping 40 to 50 percent after learning that we're splitting tips all right so here's the funny part a few of my favorite stories so far. A customer complaining irately that we are not open for lunch on Friday, ending the call with an exasperated motherfuckers. That's become our daily battle cry now. <laughs> a customer. Motherfuckers. Oh my God. Motherfuckers. Oh. Wait, a Texan, a Texan of motherfuckers. A customer so dedicated to our fajitas that she called 90 plus times before she got through the busy phone lines to place her order and showed her car hop the proof. (laughs) Oh my God. That's incredible. Plenty of people asking for ice cups for their margaritas, showing up with open beers, sending teenagers to pick up alcohol without luck, mind you. Um, And pot pot smoke billowing out of cars when their meal arrives. (laughs) <laughs> I, joke with, like dazed I love confused. this um i joke with customers that it's like we opened a sonic franchise without any training every day we change a little bit and get a little a little bit better and our scrappy little family is doing the best we can to serve these motherfuckers some fajitas <laughs> thank you for encouraging people who are in the trenches and shedding a light on troubles we are all facing please continue to encourage the rest of our listeners who have the means to seek out crowdfunding for local service employees. Um, The one I'm supporting is for Magnolia Street in Fort Worth, and it's for laid off bar and restaurant employees. Obviously, these are tough times. I have plenty I could lend to that, but wanted to keep it light and fun because I think that's what we need more of right now. Thanks for the great content, Nikki DeWolf. Oh, my goodness. What? 
a wonderful Nick, just man man oh Nick. so sorry nick DeWolf. sorry i read it wrong <laughs> andrea knows him she i'm gonna call him nicky from now on nicky it's nick it's nicky from the corner it's nicky yeah, from, nick, from, from fort worth texas my fault nick um <laughs> that makes me that that makes me happy for maybe an unintended reason is that somewhere on this earth there's people like uh, goofing around yes <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like still like getting that having that flow like it, it's probably just running on adrenaline everybody's fucking working their ass off but everybody's so kind like what like this beautiful machine yes it would make me feel so good to just even be part of like food prep you know i don't care like the oh god like this is yeah. like the good example of when being a food service worker is just like this sounds like a i mean i'm not trying to make anyone feel bad who doesn't have it right now but i'm like god i i, I get it i feel that pull to want to have the energy and to make people happy and send them out the door and people are just being cool as fuck right now you know throwing the extra cash and you know being funny doing extra little cute things to you know make make the uh like the food service people like laugh you know like because i went to go pop my trunk to get my groceries yesterday and i you know drew my order number and pasted it in the back of my trunk window because you're supposed to back up and like and then I wrote like goofy shit and I was like thank you you guys rock and I had all these like pasted things in the back but it's hilarious I know but it's like fun because everyone else you're not supposed to get out of your car and so I was trying to make it as contactless as possible so I'm like fuck it I'm gonna make some signs in advance back up all they have to do is look out the window and know it's order number 408 I love it that's so cool yeah. And they they said you're our favorite customer yet. So you guys, Aww, I'm whatever. Still riding yeah. high. I want to make mm. some car signs uh today. I heard that the person that backed in right after you was way cooler. I don't know how I even <laughs> heard that, but um <laughs> <laughs> they had a bigger sign. They did something with me. It was bigger, I guess. It was just bigger and cooler. Oh. Um, well, also, also, I rigged, I rigged my trunk so that when I hit my fob and it popped open, a burst of glitter came out and shot them in the face. Everybody so. inhaled it right away and started coughing like crazy. Um, people couldn't see. Brooke then got her mace out and was like, "I'll do this <laughs> if you make me." Costco madness. Hi, side work crew. Hope you all are staying healthy. I recently got laid off from my two service industry jobs, so I acquired a job at Costco. They're taking everything pretty seriously, providing gloves and masks for all employees, as well as sneeze guards at the registers that we must clean after every single person. We're also limiting the store to 150 customers, so it's been a lot of work in order to keep guests six feet apart from each other and us. If the service industry has taught me anything, if that's, it's that people do not like being told what to do. At the front door, we created a funnel so people can only enter through one entrance and exit through another. On busy days, <clears throat> there becomes a huge line and people are furious. There was one furious woman in particular that refused to follow the rules and was verbally upset that she had to wait in line. She got to the front door and my coworker asked for her Costco membership card as we have always done to literally every person that enters Costco. 
and she loses it. She kept saying my coworker was singling her out and how she never has to do this. She got so close to my coworker's face that she politely asked him to step back and keep six feet between them. She then got closer to her and coughed in her face and walked away. This was insane and completely fucked up. So she told a manager immediately. That manager had zero tolerance for that and asked her to leave after explaining that she is a threat to the Costco employees. The lady threatened to cancel her membership on the spot, which my manager replied, good. Our store good. will be better off without you. Fuck yeah. She left and didn't cancel it. On a better note, most people are really thankful to take the time to thank everyone personally for being at work. I understand life is stressful, but please don't take it out on essential workers. Godspeed, good tips, and stop hoarding toilet paper. Wow. Cassie from Pittsburgh, PA. Wow. So this this is not the first, and I guarantee this is all over the place. I've also seen dust-ups at the Walmart checkout of a woman getting crazy toward a worker, like arguing over some price, and then them not relenting, and then her going, <coughs> and like coughing, and like, People like are attempted using, murder. That's attempted it murder. It is. Yeah. It is. And and you're just seeing, like, I'm not like, you know, because it's like, like I I take pills for panic and anxiety disorder, so I'm not putting it down. But people who have trouble caring for themselves or haven't in general, their own. It's like all of us normies, we're inside, and let's just say the unwell, they out there. And they're getting weirder and more because it's we're stressed, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like people who don't have the ability to, to not think of their most base evil reaction to something like they're popping off, man. You know, yeah. and it's I that's what I'm most scared of. I don't think me just walking my dogs is putting me at any risk. What I feel like I'm at risk as of is a cuckoo person mm -hmm. coming up and purposely like spitting on me or something yeah exactly god that sucks and I, it's it, like people behave this way um in any other re you know and like so it's just like now spit is like weaponized cops right. are weaponized and people know this and they suddenly are like oh fuck guns i've got a dirty mouth you know yeah Oh, it makes me so furious. Well, like, and I, I love Costco's really stepping it up. I love that they have sneeze guards. You know, all my friends that I've talked to as well, they're just like, Costco is almost like, it's like a dream going in there. And like, it's not as busy like as it used to be. Right. Well, well that's good. Uh, yeah. I, I do know that they have like, they hand you a freshly sanitized cart. Um, mm -hmm. They... And they've really got the like logistics of inside the store down. They have arrows, like you can only walk one way down an aisle and mm -hmm. walk the you know another way down another. All the aisles are one way, basically. At least at some of them that I've heard. And that, mm -hmm. I mean, you have no idea because it's so much easier to keep your space if everybody's in a line as opposed to people coming up and down and having to cross each other. So, uh, yeah a little bit of logistics can save a, a lot of lives. Truly. And, and Cassie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Obviously that probably wasn't an easy decision to go from, 
you know, doing what you enjoy and love to then putting yourself, you know, in a different situation where there's risk involved. But um, I'm, I'm really happy Costco's doing right by you. You guys just got to, I mean, that like, you got to be ready to, to mace a bitch. You got to mm-hmm. be ready to mace a bitch, you know? <laughs> Muzzler, you need to get the dog pound in there ready to like get them with those like nets and whisk woof, them woof, right out, you woof, know? Woof, woof. Uh-huh. Um, well, great, you guys. If you have any more, you know, listener submitted COVID content to send our way, um, whether it's good, whether it's bad, we're just obviously interested in hearing what's going on out there, how you guys are surviving. Please let us know if you'd like to share your story. And now... To keep things normal and light, we're just going to go into a few regular server-submitted stories. Yay! Yay! I'll do one. This is a good one. This one uh, was submitted with a great, great subject line. Rotating cast of idiots. Hey, Sidework Pod crew. Just finished the shift drink episode with Matt Bronger, and it fully took me back to my restaurant bar days in New York City circa the late 90s. I worked for a pretty prominent restaurant group with locations all over the city. We had a pretty small and tight service staff with most of us working doubles multiple times a week. The after work hangout routine was fairly standard most days. We pretty much had an open bar tap at the bar across the street starting at around 2 p.m. when the first lunch server was cut, oh my God, until around 3 to 4 a.m. after the last (laughs) staffer closed. Whether it was servers and bartenders stopping by for a quick one on their way in to work the night shift, or those who were cut early, etc., we always kept the party going. Oh my God. Keep in mind that everyone always had cash on hand and would leave the appropriate amount, including tip, when they decided they'd had enough. Wow. We always took great care of our server and usually just handed over stacks of cash. After a particularly hectic Saturday shift, the team was really getting after it. Cut to the following Sunday brunch shift where we were all in attendance and definitely feeling the night before. We were all sitting at the bar having our pre-shift meeting and trying to at least keep some coffee and water down. We weren't open yet when there came a dreaded knock at the front door. Thankfully, it was the barmaid from across the street. We let her in and she had our hand tallied check in hand. She thanked us for taking such good care of her and our bill was up around $500. With a little bashful hesitation, she asked if we had seen the back of the check, maybe? Lo and behold, there was at least another list of drinks totaling around 300 more dollars. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) We all felt bad about our oversight and worse about how much that reality made us feel even more hungover. We all dug deep, got more cash together, paid the remainder, and exponentially tipped the shit out of her. All was good, and she wished us well on the brunch shift and parted with, see you guys in a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> Love the podcast, and it makes me yearn for better days. Godspeed and good health, David. Oh, my God. I yeah. love this so much. What about your fucking wasteoids? That's yeah. a, in the 90s? That's a lot of money to spend on alcohol in the 90s. Yeah. New York in the 90s, but if they were working at, like, prominent fancy ass like high roller places and I'm going across the street. I mean, I'm sure they were swimming in it. I'm sure there's at least $120 worth of chicken tenders on that tab. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're not all that all that crazy. Oh man. Dude, drinking away. I I used to drink like a fish, eat like a monster, and I looked I had like the most beautiful luscious body you've ever seen. I looked gorgeous. I was ripped. 
and like because I was on my feet ripped for, not ripped but you, I was you, yeah you were always a wiry a tall wiry yeah you're a pole you're a nice handsome pole yes I w- okay I wasn't ripped okay <laughs> but um I, yeah I looked fantastic I had this I, I didn't yeah anyway but David I, I totally like Oh, man, when you find a bar that is like really loose with the tab, they open up like for you and your group, you know, because it's like for me running comedy shows, which don't happen anymore. Goodbye, comedy. Um, we, you know, at our one venue, the Dresden, it's like, you know, they're like, OK, here are the three producers like they, they get a tab and it's like you get the bill at the end of the night. And I was like, excuse me, I, I thought I gave you my drink ticket because you just get like drunk and confident about how much free shit you think you're supposed to be getting. <laughs> and then and then I was doing the math and I was like, I don't know, like 50 bucks seems a little high. And I, I feel like such an ass. But they're like, um, we've literally served you about six drinks a piece tonight and <laughs> comped, you know, three or so. So yeah, it's on par and I had to be reminded that I was drunk yeah. and not doing my drink math correctly. Whoops. Uh, then I'm like, I'm sorry. I'll give a nice tip. My bad. I give us another. Gas station. The summer before I went to college, I worked at a gas station right off of I-90. We weren't open 24 hours, but we were pretty much always busy. One day, shortly after I started, I was working the register with one other coworker. Two guys walked inside and said to both of us, all right, give us all the money in the till. And we just started, we just stared at each other for a second, so scared and frozen. Then the guys started laughing and said, now nah, we're just fucking with you guys. <laughs> and, and proceeded to buy gas and cigarettes. <laughs> Dead ass thought I was about to get this sh- get my shit fucked up, but they were joking question mark question mark question mark a bunch of question marks. I guess we weren't in on the joke, but nervously laughed through the rest of the transaction. I never told my mom this story because I knew she'd make me quit. And eight seventy five an hour was a lot of money to an eighteen year old. The only weird thing about the job about the job was being in Minnesota and not selling any alcohol in the gas station. People would buy bottles of mouthwash and chug them before getting back on the road. A lot of people also complained about the lack of booze, like we had control over the law. Godspeed, good tips, and don't joke about robbing people. Love, Kessa. She, her, hers. Aww. As I know, she wrote she wrote in some other stuff about working in Wisconsin, which we can share, but... Um, you know, basically, you know, they're in Wisconsin, their server wage was, is uh, still like $2.30 an hour. You know, it's, it's one of the lowest ones still out there. So probably working at a gas station, especially in that time and place at that age, big money, baby. But yeah, I would, I would be like every transaction, someone's about to rob me. That would just be always going through my head. I, I, yeah, I, I would also be scared. Fucking chugging mouthwash before getting back on the road, though? Yeah, I saw a, uh, I think it was like a, uh, one of the, I don't know, one of those A&E shows about being addicted to stuff where this lady yeah. was, a, a lady was addicted to mouthwash. Um, and all I wanted to do was French kiss her because can you imagine <laughs> how clean and fresh I mean, her whole esophagus. Yeah, I was, was gonna. Well, do you think? Do you think that she she had like a scope pussy? 
<laughs> I don't know. Isn't because, that like- you know, you're like if you eat yogurt or you eat like peaches, like down there, you're supposed to be sweeter. I wonder yeah. if all you drink is mouthwash. If you got a, you got a minty snatch is all yeah. I'm saying. Mm. Yeah, I've been pineapple for the last three years. My wife still says my stuff tastes like barf. well you guys as usual you have blown us away by your server submitted stories this week um please keep them coming sideworkpodcast at gmail.com or drop them into our dms or sideworkpod at gmail.com we have multiple (laughs) emails uh email email both at once yeah, we love it all. Just uh, CC it all. All right, guys. So all this, uh, all this talk about all the do-gooding happening, all the restaurants trying to survive out there. Um, we we have been wanting to visit this topic for a while, but today we're going to talk about mom and pop restaurants. Yeah. Yay. Um. So just to start at the top, let's just give a little definition, right? So mom and pop is a colloquial term used to describe a small family owned or independent business. Mom and pop stores are often operations that struggle to compete with more substantial establishments such as big box retailers or restaurants in this case, um, who generally boast more buying power or have more pull than smaller players. Um, So yeah, it's just basically like your local, your locally owned little restaurant that you love to go to, you know, and when I think about it, I think you, I think home cooking, right guys? Oh yes. Definitely. Like, uh, just, you know, a, a menu that doesn't really change, you know, nope. you just dutifully make the grates and, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Absolutely. I, I I'm like, uh man, I, I'm, I'm glad I ate before we recorded this episode, first of all, <laughs> because had I not, I would have been like crying hungry. Yeah. And I feel like this topic particularly too, cause like, I don't like we've gone on about how much we love diners, but diners can also be like a Denny's or a big chain or franchise where mom and pop Kennels can be a mom and pop diner, but also a mom and pop restaurant. It can also be not, you know, mom and pop does not mean American food either, which is, I think, uh-huh. a big, it's it's truly like a family owned, been going on for a long time. Uh, totally. Sort of business. Absolutely. The only thing that changes is uh, the kids grow up and eventually also start working there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's like, you know, let's break this down. I think it's like, you know, what, what do we think of like when we see or had like a mom and pop restaurant, you know, and like we said, it's like the place that you grew up going to with your family. Right. And they're still pushing out the same dishes, the same food. And it tastes exactly the same. It's like, maybe when you go home and visit your family, it's where you guys go to eat in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's a very, well, here's the thing. So mom and pop situations started with, you know, going out to eat with my grandma and grandpa, who they would take, you know, treat their kids, my mom and dad and us to, you know, their mom and pop place. And they loved going there because they were known by name, you know, Mm -hmm. first of all, it'd be like, oh, Frida, Bill, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And then of course it'd be like, and how are the two young men? Because everyone thought I was a boy. Um, Every time I went out to eat. (laughs) 
every time until I was like literally like 16 and had tits and earrings and <laughs> like truly ever I, I'd be like I'm wearing a dress and I all had I had short hair and everyone would be like what would the two young gentlemen like for dinner and then they, even then they were like nice try with the tits sir and the earrings <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my whole, uh, whole upbringing. So, but. okay. So if we're talking about like a, a diner, you know, I think a lot of us like, I'm, I'm always like the diner, usually great people own the diner. That's a big thing. You know, there and was, they, there was a, uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, there was a Greek diner called Kiehl's K I E. Whatever. <laughs> what? What? Was <laughs> a bird just flew straight into the window. Oh my God. <laughs> just head first it just knocked itself out holy that, shit okay all right sorry no that was amazing i heard it your face i i was trying to find out what was going on all right we're good we're back got a case of the jeepers creepers over god there. it was covid virus it tried to get in the birds are going mad it's real um <laughs> Well, it's those crows. They're li- you got a Subway sandwich in there, Brooke? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, there was this Greek restaurant in uh, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska that was just – the mom ran the till. The dad was uh, – it was like Bob's Burgers. The mom ran the till. The mm-hmm. dad was at the grill. Uh, the daughter, who was smoking hot, was the server – and there was like a brother, but he was like a baseball player or something. And he like did it work. I mean, we went there all the time for like hangover breakfasts and they had really good chicken fried steak, but you kind of get a little, I mean, I knew the whole family dynamic cause they had no problems like speaking very loudly to each other um, about all number of things. And you'd see the, the brother walk in like a hot shot in his letterman outfit or letterman <laughs> jacket and you're like I wonder what's gonna happen with these guys um right and it's like it's like nice try olive garden when you're here your family you're a huge corporation it's like no when you were at the local spot like aladdin's that i worked at which was a lebanese total family it was like when you're here you're actually treated like family we're gonna yell at you like you're our kid we're going to, you know, have husband and wife problems openly, you know, like uh, the cook Amal, she would basically come out of the kitchen with a wooden spoon, shaking it at her husband, Ali, who looked like short, fat Tom Selleck. I loved Ali so much. And like they would get in knock, knock down, drag out fights and their daughters all worked in the kitchen and their son-in-laws were total pieces of shit who like kind of did delivery. And I, well, I also worked there, but it wasn't just me being exposed to it. Customers saw all of them like, you know, totally laughing, fighting. Um, I worked at a place in Omaha when I was like, God, 18 called the Lithuanian bakery, which yes, is a big okay. institution there. Um, I I've talked about it before on the show, but they, you know, delicious bread that they would bake delicious desserts. And they also had like a lunch, like counter, like waitress service. And it was, it was like aunts, sisters, nieces. Like it was pretty much all the women in the family that worked there. And then, mm-hmm. and then you've got, which we've got the server, the old German woman who's worked there for fucking 20 years. 
Right. Yeah. And at that point, even though she's not blood, she's, she's family. Oh, she's family. And then it was like me and like, everybody has been there forever. And you're, you are, you're just tossed into this dynamic. That's like kind of sink or swim at that point. You know what I mean? You're either mm-hmm. in with family or you're not. Oh, I mean, I had to broker fights between Ali and Amal where she was not speaking to him that day. And so I'd be like, okay, if you're not going to tell him important information he needs, I guess I'll try and do some mind reading and interpret that to him. Yeah, absolutely. Go go, 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 go tell her I'm sorry. Go tell her I'm sorry. So let's take a minute to like talk about like the look and the feel of one of these oh, yeah. places, right? So I think of like it totally being not up to date, right? Like old tables, right. like old tables, old chairs, sometimes with like the vinyl tablecloths on them, um, family photos usually, on the wall. The the ceiling's usually still brown from when you were able to smoke in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> like really like anytime i mean we talk about this this is the only time that i'm like i'll give carpet in a restaurant a pass like if it's just got (laughs) really really worn down super thin tread mark you know where you just see it worn down where people come in and out or where the door opens that it's just threadbare totally worn down i mean and then when you write when you walk in there's there's the cash register right there right right there I so mean, they can get ya. Yeah. Um, you're like little mints. You can get a mint or a toothpick on your way out. Andrea, do, do you remember uh, when you and Brian had Thanksgiving, like a night before Thanksgiving with me and my family in Rochester? Yeah. You remember that? And, we and then we went to, yeah, we went to, well, that, yeah, that was a family owned place called the Crazy Greek, which obviously all the good diners or Greek diners, but it had like a rotating vestibule door. Do you recall that at all? Yeah, I do. Like, like you have to step into it. Like it's a, um, what are those things called? A TARDIS. It like, it, it's so ridiculous. You get in and it's only like one person at a time and then it seals shut. And then I think it was their contraption to not ever let cold air come in while, (laughs) while it's winter time in Michigan or whatever, but it's like a, a health hazard. And I'm like, how are old people getting into this shit, rotating <laughs> around it and getting out? It's and like a, it's like a human sized bank uh, shoot. It, it, it's, so, it's so crazy. And also the booths, whatever they did, they are so impossible to get into. They I are remember so that. Crazy. I remember like the booths being like really close to each other. Yes. It, it, and so that's just like another thing where it's like comfort does not matter. <laughs> you oh my know, God. Mom and I love it. Um, what else? Handwritten tickets still still mm-hmm. popping have not invested in that pos system <laughs> no and at this point why you know it, it's true it's like this is just how we do things and that's the thing there's a system on how things are done sometimes you look at those handwritten tickets at those mom and pop places and uh like you put in a huge order and all that's on the ticket is like a a v and a w or in like a l and you're like what how did they, God, this person's been working here a long time. <laughs> I think, but when you talk about like a system, right. Uh, and how things go, you know, when we're talking about kind of like these more famous mom and pop places, like something like a cat's deli, you know, right. Where right. you go in, you're handed a ticket, 
you don't lose your ticket. It's a whole, right. it's super intimidating if you've never been there before. You know, Ooh. there's all these stations you go to. I mean, you can't sit in a server section or you have to pay more, you know, or you, I mean, it's intimidating if you don't know the rules in some of these amazing iconic mom and pop places. That is an excellent point. A lot of these places do have like a rule, like this is the way we've always done. This is the, cause it's usually like, this is the way there's no corporate strategy here. This is the way we like it. This is the way you do it or go, go away. Right. Well, and right. That's the thing too, is because they're so successful for reasons that are not the corporate model. Right. And so it's not that they're going to be mean to you. It's just, they're like, we don't need you unless you're going to do it the way that works for us. Like get out of here. And, and they're going to have fun busting your balls or ignoring you that's another big one if you're not doing it right like just being ignored it's not being mean but they're just not going to help you until you fucking get your shit together right yeah um and i I think too like like the way i go in and the way my brain works is you're like oh this isn't the most efficient or smartest way of doing things this is the way probably a a passive aggressive couple decided to make their restaurant work (laughs) where it's like there's no training manual it's just you gotta learn the ropes and you're like okay this doesn't make sense and it's not a very expeditious way to do it but that's how they do it i also wonder if, if some of that is born out of superstition or like yes you know like just self-preservation like we would like you were saying before with like the uncomfortable booths it's like well we could change them but they've worked for 20 years exactly i yeah why why would we do that totally i I think i think another thing too andrew when you wrote this down too like what does it look like etc etc is like also you walk in and there are the most phenomenal looking like homemade cakes in Ooh, I there. love a pie case. Oh Give my a God, case. a pie case, like, right, cakes and pie that you're like, oh, I, like, I don't even like cake, but homemade diner cakes look like the most hand frosted anything i'm like holy shit give me something to go. Yeah. And they also have the best homemade soup. Dude, fucking yeah. soup. I agree. I agree with all of this. There was a place that we would go to in Chicago called the Melrose Diner on Broadway mm-hmm. in Lakeview. Mm-hmm. Do you do you guys remember that place that we would go oh, to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Give you like a banana with anything you ordered, but they had this like sweet and sour cabbage soup there that still I've... to this day I have tried to replicate and I haven't been able to. Melrose Cafe also had the best Reuben in Chicago. Hmm, good to know. Are they are they, are they still? Oh, I'm sure they're still open. I bet they're doing to-go orders right now. I bet they're, the whole neighborhood, I feel like relies on places like this, by the way. I wanted to talk also more about kind of like how mom and pops are like viewed now, like kind of in the modern world. I feel like everything we've been talking about thus far is like very nostalgic, you know, um, stuff that we, but I think any ethnic food, um, like in a strip mall in Los Angeles, you know, where there's so many hidden gems, like Mm -hmm. those places are truly mom and pop operations, you know, like first generation waves of families who've immigrated to the United States in the past, like 20, you know, or 30 years, you know, and, and, and that's what they have come here to do. And that's a huge story. People come and open restaurants, you know, when they move here to the States. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of these places like institutions that Anthony Bourdain ate at, 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. these are like small places that have been introduced to us that people otherwise wouldn't have known about. Jonathan Gold here in Los Angeles turning small mom pop restaurants into wildly successful businesses that are now looked at by the culinary world as being some of the best like food in the country you can eat at. It's beautiful. Like yeah. he he changed the trajectory of Jitlada, like that's mm-hmm. just one of the more famous places that he like blew up, you know? And yeah. he assured that this uh, like family, you know, the mother is like one of the main people who does the cooking there, but it's like, they really did so well after Jonathan reviewed them and, and sang their praises that it's like, we put our son through college with this bump of recognition, you know? Yeah. And that's major. I mean, it's fucking gorgeous. And, you know, and I will say, as much as people make fun of it, fucking diners, drive-ins, and dives, that oh. guy Fieri. I love that, that show. That guy is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I love great. it, yeah. That is like, that is like mom and pop central. Like the those restaurants that are showcased on that show. Yeah, um, it, it's it's very watchable too. I mean, like it's it's just a really <laughs> well put together show. I can understand you maybe thinking, I don't know, even after you know, like maybe Guy Fieri is not your thing. But I'll tell you what, after watching it multiple times, he is. It's interesting. I mean, he's a good host of a show. He's yeah. a good host. You know, listen, he makes me want to put my sunglasses on the back of my head and, yeah. you know, call something money. But you really it's... want to protect the neck when you watch that show. But, you know, that show, I think, is um, exciting for a lot of people because I think we've all eaten at places that that guy's been to. And oh, yeah. been very excited to watch that episode. Andrea, I think too, you know, that I wanted to mention as well, the reason you go over and over again, especially to a mom and pop, it's like, you know, you're, you're in the club, you live close by, but it's also like my family would go there because we were on a budget. Yeah. You know, so it's affordable food. That's also like a major hallmark of a mom and pop is like, it's a little step up from a diner per se, you know, Um, but not not really much more expensive than a diner meal. Absolutely. You know, for the, the place whole you guys get to go on a Saturday or a Sunday morning when mom doesn't want to cook breakfast for everybody and gets a break and gets to like sit and drink her coffee and you get to have French toast or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. The big, oh. like a big thing for our family was mom and pop places um, for, for like a quick dinner because it'd be like my parents would get off work and usually it'd be between like my brother and I having like sporting events that we had to go to or they'd be picking us up late from practice and it's like everyone was just getting a late start and so it was really really normal one of the mom and pop places called Ciro's was across the street from the high school so it's like they'd come scoop us and we'd just go have dinner and have lemon egg soup you know avogamano and you know basically it was like we knew our price range you know it was like everyone can have a cup of soup and a, and a gyro a gyro oh, gyro do you say gyro 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 I see I mean, same Euro. with like Euro. you know like the the like the pizza place that's been open that you've been you went mm-hmm. to as a kid after sports games and you know so why don't we go to mom and pop restaurants do you guys think well i mean so that's like a lot of restaurants like say in the 50s 60s 70s and even 80s they just were mom and pop restaurants because like the advent of like fast food and or total chains like everything was technically like a family owned and operated and unique 
place. And then for a lot of people, I think stemming from our grandparents to our parents, it becomes like a tradition and, and comfort, comfortable. It's just comfortable. I don't know. I think we go, I, I, my dad um, was an insurance agent in Omaha, Nebraska, and all he did, his whole business model was insurance on family owned and operated businesses, bars, hardware stores, um, anything, you know, he didn't have any big chains, anything. And it just kind of got ingrained to me that like, these are the places, like if I had to go to work with him, I'd, you know, sit at the bar and have a Shirley temple and Mm -hmm. while, while he was doing business and stuff. And they just, for me, they're the places I'm the most comfortable with. And I will say in Nebraska, there is, I don't know, maybe if it's such, since it's a smaller place, it just seems like there's so many more places like that. Yeah. That have become institutions. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, what was a small business to start was a Buca de Beppo. Hey, um, but actually even Buca was the only corporate restaurant I ever worked at. Everything else my entire time was small operation, independently owned. But the model that Buka was after is so fucking mom and pop, it's ridiculous. It's basically like family style, home comfort, like Italian food. We're all going to sit down and share a big meal together. Like, you know, so, at, you know, even talking about fucking Olive Garden, when you hear your family, you know, there are so many chains out there now that cater to a specific mom and pop model. Oh, exactly. They try with all the money in the world to turn their large corporate restaurant into like a friendly folksy little mom and pop place. Um, Yeah. And it's like, if there's not a cat asleep in the windowsill, I'm not buying it. Okay. So I want to talk about a couple things that are very real places that we have gone to forever. And then you go back and they've, they've fucking renovated and updated. Mm -hmm. Has this happened to you guys before? Yeah. You're like, Sometimes there's a mom and pop place that gets really popular and then they decide to open another location and then that location closes down because it's just not the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to talk about uh, a specific place in Lincoln, Nebraska, James, called the Watering Hole. Oh, yeah. did this. So the Watering Hole has the best chicken wings I've ever had in my entire life. Um, Delish when we were both college age um we would go there you would walk in it was literally like the kind of place that had like um wagon wheels hanging on the ceiling like everything was dingy and shitty weird i think like the booths and were made out of like half kegs or barrels or something like that the watering hole like so great this like dingy shithole institution that you're like should should i eat here but the best Mm -hmm. wings ever completely renovated new space three times as big everything's shiny everything's fancy there's TVs everywhere. Now it's just like a, a random weird sports bar, you know? And that's what kills me is even if like the mom and pop, like, and I don't like this even in bodegas, the new um, like 3D HD signs they put in the window that has like the spinning, you know, like, like they're marquees that people get now mm-hmm. or like those light up things that show, you know, um, 
that like, you're open. Posed images of the food or the menu. And it's like future menu. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this looks so fucking ridiculous. And you're like, oh my God, you spent like your extra money on this horrifying thing that doesn't go like when you could have at least reupholstered that one piece of shit booth. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, but now I, it's like the word like um, chicken dinner special like comes flying at you. It <laughs> smacks you in the face like a bird <laughs> flying into a window to get a sandwich. You know, you have these feels about like when you find out that one of these places is closing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you, you kind of have this like, oh shit, we're not, you know, like life has a limit. Absolutely. We are mortals. I mean, yeah, and usually, usually after they announce they're closing, they make more money in a two-week span than they have the entire time they were open. Yeah, we could like, bring up Hot Dogs in Chicago, which yeah. is the little independently owned pop, pop and pop place, best hot dogs uh, of my life. Where he, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, a, very, I mean, it's a different situation because Doug was just done being busy. Yeah, he was. And I like, think that's what a lot of it is. These families are just like, we've done our thing. We're gonna close, or maybe they're maybe they're passing the torch to new owners, or they're just shuttering, you know. But it, it's it's tough when you hear about that news, and it's it's like a, a part of you, a piece of you, is then you have to grieve and mourn over it. Yeah. Well, and I think what's happening right now with the COVID shutdowns is people are going like, "Fuck!" Like we can't like, I, like I get that there's this human cost that we're all really the most you know, scared for, and we're doing our part to make sure that like the human cost is as, you know, tamped down as possible, but we're like, we can't all lose every best restaurant and bar for when we're allowed to go back out that nothing that gave us any comfort is around anymore. So there's this, there's this outpouring of going and getting food and tipping the shit out of them and being like, here, just take this hundred dollars, just put it in the register. And mm-hmm. I think that's, what's really beautiful. Um, and I really, really hope it's happening everywhere. And it, it just, it, you know, I, I noticed like D3 there, I, I hope they have a plan and maybe their plan is that it's just better to write it out until yeah. this is over. But and like our restaurant shuttered feel that way, you know? And I think this is a question I had written down too. It's like, how do and especially right now in the world, you know, how are mom and pop restaurants differing from independently independently owned, more upscale, trendy spots? You know, right. I think in the past it's like they're still independently owned. They're 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 doing the same thing, but they're still neighborhood institutions. And especially now, all these restaurants that are stepping up to serve a community, to serve people who need comfort in food and serving food to hospital workers and frontline workers and essential workers. Like they're all kind of being a fucking mom and pop like restaurant right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's so, it just, it, it's blowing me away, you know? And I think, you know, you guys check in on your mom and pops. Are they doing yes. so? Yes. Do they need your help. Like, do you, you know, I, all I want to do is go to fucking breakfast. You know what I, I want to like, mm-hmm. I want to go to breakfast. <laughs> I know. You know, one thing too, that this country, people of all socioeconomic positions right now are, are realizing, hopefully what's, you know, who really butters the bread of this country? Like who really 
makes this country function. And it's that whole restaurant thing that you're saying, that mentality of, yeah, I mean, you know, there's all these large corporations or, or whatever, but do they, like, band together to put food in your mouth? Like, no. Like, They're not special this? to anyone. You know what I'm right. saying? You know, there are there are some smaller chains that are really stepping it up. And yeah, like, yeah. Programs and lunch I'm programs. Yeah, I'm not talking, I'm not, like, ragging on, you know, I, I, I yeah, just, just when just people who feed you are are we're realizing like oh my god we are a country who has depended and we enjoy being fed by people who step up and want to do that job for us you know yeah. totally yeah it's like it's like the people delivering you like right now all of us were terrified to leave the house all of these things so are those people yes. so are those so are those people bringing you your food so people making your food they're terrified too but they're doing it not only so they can just have a you know a, a livelihood they're doing it because what they do is so important that they need to keep doing it absolutely absolutely um wow good talk guys this is great a good one. talk yeah sorry great talking yeah what do we mentioned body support, foods. support your mom and pop restaurants don't drink uh mouthwash to get off yeah um unless you're gonna drink it to get off and then like get off right guys yeah if if you are a uh mouthwash drunkard i would like to as an experiment give you a kiss (laughs) down there just to see well no (laughs) that's you guys you guys are the down there ladies (laughs) i'm i'm talking about just on I'm just talking about on the mouth. I just want to see. Is that, are we your backup group? James Dunn and the down there ladies. That is actually pretty, pretty cool. (gasps) Yeah. Dunn and the down there's. Dunn and the down there's. Oh my God. Oh, well, I mean, we could cut some sort of album. I'm sure we could figure out how to do it. Do it. Um, well, you guys, God, you know, um, please send us your server submitted stories. Please send us any COVID content, um, any ideas for shows or nostalgia that you think maybe we haven't discussed that you want to hear we we are we are here we are listening we got some fun I- we got some fun ideas uh when people bring in like coupons like loyalty things like i don't know like uh yeah that could be interesting supper clubs so on and so forth yeah pitch us some yeah. ideas folks james thanks for being here again number, hey, number six it is always an honor every time you ladies ask me and this show is awesome and just by just from reading or getting to read the server submitted stories you have a very engaged and uh strong listenership and um it's a it's a really cool thing you guys are doing james have you been drinking mouthwash you're very nice and affectionate no i haven't but if i was i would try and french kiss myself because what a mint gasm all right you guys well here's what we uh say at the end of every every episode godspeed and good health we'll talk to you guys next week